Hello, I'm Dr. Rebecca Sun, Director of the Peregrine Centre. As we begin this episode of the Peregrine Rural Mental Health Podcast, please join me in stopping to consider the land beneath your feet, wherever you might be listening from today. Let's take a moment together to acknowledge the traditional owners of that land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders of the past, those of the present, and the emerging elders of tomorrow. The Peregrine Rural Mental Health Podcast is brought to you as part of our Rural Mental Health Partnership with New South Wales Health. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Rural Mental Health Podcast. Uh, We are very happy that you could join us today, and thank you for joining us for one of the, in a series this year of Getting Started With, where we take a look at a number of the very common modalities for therapy and practice, and we try and help you get started. What are the things that you might want to have a look at? What are the things that you might want to engage with? What are the simple or basic concepts that you need to understand in order to understand whether you want to explore that modality any further? So today I'm very happy to have some old friends with us. You might recognize them from our last series and I'll just get them to introduce themselves. Maybe Mark, you can go first. Sure. So uh, Mark Donovan and I'm a, a clinical psychologist working principally with children and families and have had an interest in ACT for about 15 or 20 years now. Um, my name's Anna. I'm a clinical psychologist and also teach at the University of Wollongong. Um, I've had an interest in ACT probably for the last 10 or 15 years, yeah, and work mostly with young adults and families. Thanks, Hannah. So, as you may have guessed, today's episode is on acceptance and commitment therapy, or ACT, uh, which is a modality that I'm not terribly familiar with, although I know the basic concepts, but luckily we do have Mark and Anna here as experts to guide us through it. Each of these episodes, we're trying to have a look at at least five resources that a beginner might start with in order to get started with that modality. But in this particular episode, I've also asked Anna and Mark to bring four basic concepts of ACT, three signs that a client might benefit from ACT, two basic mistakes that lots of people make when they're starting with ACT, and the one thing they would hope people take away from this episode. So uh, before we get started with all of those things, Mark and Anna, how would you define ACT? What is ACT in a couple of sentences or less? A couple of sentences. (laughs) Well, it's acceptance and commitment therapy in one sentence. Look, the the thing that I'm aware from, from, you know, studying ACT and trying to introduce clients to ACT, but also other practitioners to ACT is that it's best to steer away from definitions and really to try and uh, approach what it is from an experiential exercise. And that's very much the essence of ACT is, is learning through experience. And so, but that would take me more than a sentence or two. What do you reckon, boss? Can you give me a bit longer? <laughs> Gosh, I was stretching the rules. Okay, you're allowed. <laughs> You've made space for it. That's very good. Thanks. A common metaphor used is the uh, passengers on the bus. And, you know, the idea basically is that, you know, we're, we're traveling through life in our bus. And, uh, as we travel through life, heading down the different streets and, and what have you of our lives, that, uh, you know, we have various experiences like thoughts or feelings or sensations that may crop up. And you can think about these as like passengers in the back of the bus there. 
And so sometimes these passengers are real helpful and they just kind of, you know, little cheer you along. They'll be saying, oh, Mark, you're doing a great job with this explanation and a nice job getting Rebecca to agree to a few more sentences too. But sometimes these passengers, the the thoughts, feelings, sensations aren't so immediately helpful. Like they might be saying, Man, you don't know where you're going with this. Why did you explain this one? This one's a terrible one. Why have you started with that one? And those sorts of thoughts can be like the passengers who are who are shouting at us and making a lot of ruckus there in the back of the bus. And and like I got a, a lot of other therapies might want us to engage with the passengers with thoughts and try and convince them that that we're right and they're wrong, and that we should do it our way, not their way. In terms of engaging with the thoughts. Uh, challenging them, arguing against them, coming up with rationalizations, what have you. But from an ACT perspective, we just want to notice them. So we want to be present to the extent that we can notice that we've got these thoughts and feelings. So that's the acceptance part. We've got to accept that part of the human condition is that, yeah, we've got random internal events that go through our mind. And then the commitment part is to then work out what's important and commit to it. Uh, and head in that direction. So, you know, in the case of our, our bus, it's like, well, we want to go a particular place. And so at the moment, I'm trying to get to the end of this explanation. And so I should try and get there as quick as possible now. And so, yeah, that's in a sense what ACT or acceptance commitment therapy is, is in a nutshell, is noticing and, and making space for accepting our internal world, working out what's important and committing towards heading in that direction. Right. Driving the bus, continuing to drive the bus. Okay, great. Thanks for that, Mark. So, well, let's start maybe with uh, the resources. Let's start with two of the resources that you've brought. So I I specifically ask you to talk about resources that are suitable for a beginner, somebody who doesn't know a lot about ACT. Maybe, Anna, I'll go to you. What would you recommend to somebody who's new to ACT? Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, I like to provide people with resources that don't necessarily require you to read a lot of things. So um, there are a lot of really great YouTube videos showing you some kinds of ideas from ACT. One of the things that I often recommend to people is a TED Talk by Stephen Hayes. And Stephen Hayes was one of the original proponents of the acceptance and commitment therapy model. And he actually talks about his experience of designing it and how how he thought about it and some of the things that he was questioning about avoiding your own internal experiences and the way in which perhaps we had learned or kind of fallen for this idea that you're meant to be happy all the time and you're not meant to be experiencing discomfort or uncomfortable feelings and the way in which he challenged that to think about how you can make room for something for the purpose of something that's important to you. And he explains that really beautifully in the TED Talk. And I know that you had said to me, which I think is really interesting, that he himself had been going through some what we might call mm-hmm. agoraphobia or some anxiety about leaving the house and it had been getting worse and worse and he'd been doing all these good, um, in his case, CBT techniques mm. and they hadn't been helping him in his particular circumstance mm. and that he thought that his time for something a little bit different. I, th- I always think that's interesting when it's kind of arisen out of somebody's lived experience stuff. Yeah, absolutely. 
And what about you, Mark? What, what have you brought? What's the first thing you would have brought? <laughs> to, from the desert island. Um, so having been introduced to ACT through reading uh, Stephen Hayes, Kirk Strossel and Kelly Wilson's book and, you know, it was great and, and, I, and mm. I did – Push through and read it, Anna. I'm mm. not a reader, but I did. And but uh, I then came across some of the books written by Russ Harris, and it was like, oh man, this is so much more simple. This is this is my kind of reading. And so the first of those that came out was a Happiness Trap, and I still reckon it's a it's a really good read. And look, here's the thing: you don't even have to buy the book because Russ's website, ActMindfully.com, has all of his various books and resources that you can just download for zero dollars. When I say all of them, you get the first two chapters. But you know what it's like. Most books in the first two chapters, you get all the good gear, and then after that, it's (laughs) details, right? So, yeah, get the book if you want the details, but you can certainly just read a couple of chapters, even the first chapter, and it gives you a nice little account of, yeah, the human Mm. condition and how it is that that this, this approach just really makes sense. Russ Harris, don't write us a letter. We, we, we fully <laughs> recommend that people also buy your book. Well, absolutely. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. we, uh, yeah. yes, uh, get started with the first two chapters. Sounds mm-hmm. really accessible, really easy. Okay. So before we go on to the rest of the resources, let's pause there and talk about the four concepts. If you were to say, here are the four basic concepts of ACT mm-hmm. that you feel like people should be familiar with, where would you start? There's many. I think one of the major concepts that I find important and maybe helpful to start with is the notion of experiential avoidance. And basically what that means is that most of us, to some extent, avoid experiences that are uncomfortable. And experiential avoidance or avoiding feelings that are uncomfortable like fear or anxiety or guilt or shame or painful experiences, for the most part, there's no problem with that. But where it becomes a problem is if avoiding that experience means that you have to um, engage in behaviours that are are sort of against your values and the things that are important to you. So if you are afraid to, say, get on a flight and you really need to travel overseas, say it's your daughter's wedding, avoiding the experience of anxiety isn't a problem until it comes up against one of your values that's really important to you. And so, you know, an ACT practitioner might be interested in how you maybe will make room for experiences that are uncomfortable rather than avoiding them in order to live a life that is in line with the things that matter to you. It's such a um, common kind of approach, isn't it? And we all, it makes a lot of sense, of course, if mm. something makes us feel uncomfortable and nervous, if, if it feels like a threat in some kind of way, of course, we're, we're kind of biologically programmed to avoid doing those things. All right. And and Mark, where would you start? Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting. So I'd like if the other side of that coin of experiential avoidance is it's what's described as psychological flexibility. And so if you can then be in a psychological flexible way towards these sorts of experiences, then you, you, you can go in the direction of, of what's important. And then look, uh, again, the, the, if you've come across a bit of ACT, you'll, you'll see that there's a hexaflex, this sort of six-sided thing that's got uh, different aspects that contribute towards psychological flexibility, uh, which is great. And there's a there's a trimmed-down version by old mate Russ again. Uh, he's a legend for this stuff. The triflex. And I find that just a really nice, helpful way of, for me as a practitioner, thinking, am I covering the stuff that's important here? And so it's three things. Like, so first of all, be present in terms of 
Like, just bring yourself into this moment so that you can at least notice whatever it is that might be happening. And so then open up. And so open up to whatever kind of experiences that you might be having in this moment. And then do what matters as the final one. And so again, look, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm a broken record. Acceptance, commitment, it's the same <laughs> kind of stuff. But I suppose the point is that it sort of segues nicely into what Anna was describing there as a key aspect of experiential avoidance. And, and again, it's so what I really liked about ACT from the outset is it's like, hey, this makes sense. Hey, this is actually very uh, approachable. Uh, as a practitioner to be able to put some of these ideas into practice, um, whether that's, you know, just dipping your toe in uh, or, you know, going for a full swim, whatever it might be. Mm. Okay. Well, that technically counts as three, make it, let's say, concepts. <laughs> Anna, have you got a last one you wanted to offer? Oh, it's hard to choose now that I've only got one more. I guess the other thing that I wanted to mention that may be of value is to think about the way that an ACT practitioner might understand the mind or um, the activities of the mind, um, as in our, you know, as humans, we're pretty clever and we've got this really unique ability to use language and language helps us in a bunch of ways, but it also means that we're sort of uniquely capable of comparing ourselves to another person. We're really good at thinking about things that haven't happened yet and may or may not happen, which helps us to plan. We're excellent at worrying about things that happened in the past and remembering them and having memories or visual images of them. And because of this, we're really very good at, at suffering. It makes it such that we're like, unlike our pets who, you know, something goes wrong yesterday, they've forgotten about it today. Humans are really good at that. And I guess, um, you know, one of the uh, concepts in ACT is this notion that we kind of get so caught up in the mind or in language or our inner talk that we become fused with it in such a way that we sort of even forget that we're thinking and we can have an emotional response to a bunch of words. And one of the metaphors that they use sometimes in this is to tell a story about a, you know, imagine that you're cutting a juicy wedge of lemon and then you're putting it in your mouth and you're sucking on it. And then we ask people to say, like, what did you notice happening to you? And they're like, oh, I actually got some saliva. I often get saliva just telling the story. Um, <laughs> so in a way you're having a physiological response to something that is a bunch of words strung together. And because humans are uniquely able to do that, we respond to words in a particular way. So defusion is really learning how to acknowledge that your mind is doing that thing of coming up with thoughts, but you don't have to be fused with it. You can acknowledge that those are just thoughts that come and go and give yourself some distance from that so that you can make a decision rather than being beholden to them a little bit like in the way that Mark was speaking about earlier as passengers on your bus. I think we all have experienced that driving in the car and kids are screaming in the back and you have to kind of in some ways ignore them or, or be able to refocus on your driving mm. or, you know, things are not going to turn out very well. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And if I can, can I chip in just, you would notice what the kids were saying. So you wouldn't want to black them out altogether because there might be something really important they're telling you. Dad, there's a, there's, there's a brown snake. <laughs> the boots on fire. Just, yeah, the boots on fire. Something that could be quite. So you, you, you notice and then you notice, you know, is there anything about this that I need to, to attend to that's important? Not specifically. Great. Okay. Back on with driving ahead. So but you're in charge. You're making, yeah, it's, it's you're you're making a choice in response to, again, the experiential avoidance would be more like block them out altogether. 
Uh, not have the thoughts. Try to yeah. gag them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> not the children. <laughs> like, we're going home. <laughs> so if we were to return then to our pile of resources, we talked about uh, the TED Talk and the happiness trap. What else might we offer? Yeah. Um, so there's various other simple things you can find online. Uh, one is choice point as a particular model within ACT that encapsulates lots of the, the basic concepts. And it just lays it out really simply in a way that um, you can apply it to your life. And, you know, it's that you're wandering along in the, in the, in the, the, the walk of life and you get to a particular point and you could be having some, some difficulties, some difficult emotions or thoughts, whatever it is. And at this moment, you've got a choice. And the choice could be to head in the direction and do something that's consistent with what's important. And if we imagine that as like a right turn, turning right. And if you take that path, then you're doing something that towards that'll get you like, you know, whatever it is that's important in life. Alternatively, so working though, on my PhD, you mean? That's the one. That's important. Yeah, yeah, just I little steps, little it. steps, Anna. Absolutely. Or Alternately, <laughs> you could think, oh, Netflix. man, this PhD this is too much. Why did I even sign up this in the I'm first stupid. place? I'm going straight to the pub. <laughs> I, I'm not going to work on this on the weekend. I'm going to go gardening. I'm going to walk. I'm going to do anything but no PhD. And in other words, it solves it in the short term. You feel better because you've got rid of this the struggle of the PhD, and now it's like, oh, man. But, of course, you haven't stepped towards what's important. I assume there is something important about doing this PhD for you, Anna, right? Yeah, but I, just to add to that as well, I also wanted to talk about like choice point in terms of that, you know, when you react to something immediately, you know, like often people feel like, you know, I get home from work and I just need that glass of wine and, and there's no, uh, it's not a decision I make. It's just I pour the bottle or, mm. or you know, I'm really stressed and I yell at my kids and that's their fault because they're, you know, pressing my buttons. And I think choice point is also about having a sense of being able to observe yourself in such a way that you notice some feelings or some thoughts, like oh, I'm getting really anxious or I'm getting really angry, or you notice the, you know, the thoughts that are coming up that are telling you, oh, I can't really cope without having a glass of wine. And you notice those, and then you make a choice about how you're going to act in response to that. That's kind of how I understand the choice point as well. It's also about learning that there is a space between something happening or an internal experience and the decision that you then make in regards to what you're going to do, whether you're going to have that glass of wine or decide to be uncomfortable for that one moment. I mean, I know in Eastern philosophy they often talk about an immediate sense of wanting to approach something or wanting to avoid or push something away. Mm. And I do often notice that in myself, that it, it, there's an immediate, oh. Okay, so thanks, Mark. Well, what about you, mm. Anna? What, what else would you offer in the resource library? Mm, look, I really enjoy um, – obviously, I really enjoy podcasts. There is another one that I wanted to talk about called Mentally Flexible, and in particular there's – a Mentally Flexible podcast with Kelly Wilson. So Kelly Wilson's one of the other in initial developers of ACT. I really enjoy Kelly Wilson's way of speaking about ACT. Again, I think he comes from a lived experience perspective and I think what he offers there is a, a real authenticity and realness about why you would do this, why you would make yourself uncomfortable, thinking about it really closely linked to purpose. Yeah, so I, I, I really enjoy his work. I really enjoy the way he talks about it. He's very easy to understand and also, uh, you know, very relaxed about it. 
he's got his own quirks and I think that's what makes him so interesting to listen to and it makes sense. What he's describing makes sense from his own experience and the pain that he's experienced in his life and the way in which he has learned to be with it. I might give the the very last resource slot to Mark. Oh, okay. The very last option. Oh, geez, that's yeah. pressure. Um, <laughs> so, look, again, if I'm thinking, you know, in in line with the, the just having a crack at something you haven't tried before and what's the, the resource that other people have told me has been helpful, I, I promise I'm not paid by Russ Harris, but, again, <laughs> it would be one of his books, which is Act Made Simple. It just steps you through a whole bunch of ways you can introduce ACT to your clients. He's got a lovely little ACT in a nutshell activity. And then just a whole bunch of, of different, again, sort of metaphors and experiential exercises that can help you do the work, really important work with a range of clients presenting with all sorts of different issues. So, I mean, that recommendation comes from me, but it's more from other people who've, who've said it's been helpful to them. Yeah, well, that's important, isn't it? Okay, so um, let's say that I'm interested in ACT. Uh, I think that Russ Harris book sounds simple and accessible mm -hmm. and I'm interested in all those things. How might I know that my client might benefit or my consumer or the person that I'm working with? How, how might I think, oh, yeah, ACT might be something that this person might really get something out of? I think there are lots of ways that you might come to that realization. And I guess one of the things that comes to mind is when you get in that pattern of yes, but have you ever been in that pattern of yes, but with a client where you're like, but this is great. You know, you, you know, you can do this or you can do that. And they're like, Oh yeah, but this, this, this. And you feel like you're in a sort of argumentative space with them about that life is actually okay. And they're telling you, no, it's not. And I don't think that helps your relationship with your client. And I think in those kinds of conversations, ACT can be really useful in being able to move away from a sense of waiting until you feel better to do the thing that you really want to do. You don't have to wait until anxiety goes away before you go on that date. You bring it with you. And can also, you know, those pr those processes that we talked about earlier of defusion can help people to see past the thoughts that are coming up for them that are maybe telling them, oh, therapy is not going to work, it's never worked for me, or this is not going to help, or this is not helping. Instead of arguing back around that or getting into that sort of space with your client, you can start to say, oh, okay, so you're having the thought that th this might not be working. And so you start to help them to get some space from their thoughts and observe their thoughts so that you can then move into maybe more interesting and helpful conversations about making space for them or deciding what they want to do, even in the presence of the thought that this is never going to work, so why would I do it? Mm, mm. That's a really interesting example, I think, and both Anna and I and Mark have trained people in, let's say, a CBT kind of modality. And when people first start, I think one of the really common things is they get in an argument and, and an <laughs> argument in which they need to convince the um, client that their thought is incorrect in some mm -hmm. way, unrealistic, mm -hmm. whatever. And then there's a kind of um, dinner table argument that happens rather than therapy. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting idea that it's uh, one way to circumnavigate that mm -hmm. little, um, dynamic. What about you, Mark? What do you, what do you think is a sign that ACT might be for this person? Um, from someone who's, who's dabbled in lots of different therapies, I would say that um, if they've got a heartbeat, that it's probably <laughs> an appropriate form of therapy. Even like, if it's racing. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever the heartbeat. So in terms of that, that really it is an approach that you can apply to all situations because it, it's an approach that's based on the human experience. And so it's just, it's, it's a human type of therapy, but to, answer more specifically in working in cognitive behavioral therapy cbt previously one of the dilemmas that many practitioners would have is like um trying to challenge the thinking that's leading them to to have suffering like you know for for stephen hayes the whatever thinking was keeping him at home and agoraphobia and he couldn't go out because something bad was going to happen he's gonna have a heart attack or whatever it was that his mind had convinced him right and so as cbt you'd be in there trying to help steve realize it's like mate you're gonna be okay like that those sensations that that's not a heart attack that's this you know and you'd be trying to do some sort of exposure task with with steven to do that so uh, and that's great but look sometimes in life really terrible things happen and people have uh so you know in a way if you like steven's beliefs were distorted that something bad was going to happen to him wasn't the case but of course you know as Anna's already talked about, humans and suffering, and there, there is suffering, and there's real suffering that people have, as well as the suffering their mind creates for them. Uh, so you could have a young child who's going through cancer treatment. That's real suffering, both directly with the child, but also for anybody who knows that child. There's real suffering there, and you, you're not going to be able to convince the person otherwise, doesn't matter how good your arguments are. <laughs> That's real suffering. And so it feels a much more human response to then just acknowledge that, yeah, that's how it is. And this is, yes, and you have these feelings, and yes, you have these thoughts, and that's really difficult, and that's hard. And I was saying, like, you know, and even with those thoughts and feelings, what is it that's important to you to show? If you're talking to the parent, like, you know, even despite all this, what are the qualities you want to show to your daughter or your son or, you know, as they go through this experience? And then just do, do that then. I noticed that uh, listening to both of you talk that values comes up a lot, that people, what, what is important to people is really a bit of a linchpin in this mm. model. What about people who really don't know what's important to them or, or perhaps, you know, thought they knew but something has challenged those ideas? How do you begin to talk to those people about this kind of model? Yeah, if I might quote Kelly Wilson here, uh, I don't know if I can do his accent very well, but um, one of the things he says is that he, he I, don't, I don't even know if this is his original quote, but he, he says that values and vulnerability are poured from the same vessel, which is a very poetic way to say, I think, that when somebody is experiencing distress or they're experiencing anxiety or anger or whatever it might be, often there's an underlying value in that. When somebody is upset about something, it's because something matters to them. And sometimes people have lost or they're really far away from what's important to them, but they often, when they come to therapy, have a strong sense of what's pissing them off or what's upsetting them. And I think that sometimes you can start there to try and get a sense of what that means. If this thing really makes you angry like, what does that tell me about what matters to you and what you really want? And so I think you can always go from those things to understanding where somebody might really want to be in their life. It sounds quite similar to the absent but implicit uh, concept mm. from narrative, which yes. I, I have seen actually be enormously effective in opening mm. uh, conversations with people 
where nothing else is really working, you know, where they're so annoyed that it's really, it's more than annoyed. They're so distressed and upset that it can be very hard to then open any kind of useful or productive dialogue. So, yeah, right, I didn't know that that was part of the um, ACT model. That kind of leads me to the, the second last question, which is mistakes common mistakes you say you see either in people learning or perhaps mistakes you yourselves have made when you were of course less uh less ex- expert <laughs> we don't make mistakes now ever no we're perfect therapists now aren't we <laughs> no, no comment <laughs> what do you think are some of the really common mistakes or important mistakes that yeah. people make so it's generous of you to to work down to five four three two and only have two here because we could have gone 200 probably mm. and and still had more to offer um look you know the, the 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 main one for me that i both would have done a lot of and also then i would notice in people who are new to the work in, in trying to use an act approach is explaining rather than doing if you go to an act training if it's genuine act training what you're going to be doing is going through a bunch of experiential exercises and sometimes with very minimal explanation afterwards. Whereas if you go to other training, they'll explain exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it and they go into it up front. And so it's more you learn by doing. So that would be the main one for me is I bottle out of just doing it because <laughs> my mind, the passengers start talking me out of it and saying, oh, you won't do it very well. Like you're not very good at that metaphor whatever it might be. Why is it better to learn by experience? I think, isn't there a Confucian saying about that? (laughs) (laughs) That it will stick better with the client? Oh, yeah, of course. Like, you you know, uh, as I listen, I forget. As I see, I remember. As I do, I understand, I think is the the saying. Nice proverb. Yeah, well well done. (laughs) Quoting Confucian. (laughs) All right. And uh, what about you, Anna? What do you think is an important mistake to be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I totally agree with what you were saying, Mark. I think the other thing that I definitely did when I first started was that I got a bit caught up. I mean, one of the things we haven't talked about yet is the change agenda, which is the idea that I'm feeling rubbish and so I'm going to stop that and I'm going to start feeling good. Straight after your session. And I think that as helpful therapists, we often can get caught up with the change agenda. And in ACT, you're not necessarily aiming to do that. You're not aiming to reduce symptoms. You're not aiming for people to feel better all the time or good all the time. And that can be tricky if you don't have that clear in your mind because people often come in saying, what do you mean? And sometimes you ask them their goals and they say to feel better. <laughs> mm, a lot of the time they say that. Yeah. And so it is about having a strong, firm foundation or some ideas around how you can help people to make space for uncomfortable feelings in the service of doing something that matters to them and not worry so much or not be too caught up in feeling good all the time. Not saying that someone should just feel bad all the time. We're not asking people to accept that. But we are asking them to acknowledge that humans, as humans, we're sort of built this way to suffer in some ways. And so our intention shouldn't be to not feel bad, but instead to feel like you're doing things that are meaningful. Mm. 
I mean, it seems sort of related to what you were saying before that sometimes our suffering is related to the things that are important. To That's us. right. And mm. if we felt good all the time, which I know might sound a bit strange to people, but sometimes if somebody is, let's say, using substances a lot, mm. they are in some ways feeling good a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but maybe not necessarily driving the car in the direction they want to go in. And certainly not when it comes to having connected relationships and feeling like you're belonging and those kinds of experiences can be elusive if you're always chasing good feelings. Yeah, and maybe connected with that, just uh, since we're talking, that something on the outside could look the same. So uh, it's Friday evening here and, you know, later I may enjoy a beer. Um, Now, on the outside, someone would see me having a beer, but that internal experience could be entirely different. So I could be really enjoying the taste of the beer and and sort of as a reward of the achievements of the week and and just savoring in this moment and having this as a sort of a nice thing for me and I could connect with all those things. That's an option, okay? Uh, alternately, I could be having that beer as a way of like just blocking my mind to the week that just was and <laughs> and but on the outside, it looks the same. And so I guess sometimes the point is it doesn't really matter what you're doing it's about what you connect with on the inside. And again, we come back to these values and, and what is important, but trying to connect, like, why is this important? And I'm doing this thing. Why? Like to, to be present and to notice what it is, um, because that is what makes it rich and meaningful in terms of that beer that I'll possibly be having later. <laughs> um, and it, I guess probably related to that, um, just flagging for the listeners, there will be another episode on mindfulness, which I guess is very related to what you're saying about being present, about being able to be open to new experiences and accept them without judgment. And that will be with Judy Picard and uh, Dale Rattery. Uh, if you're interested in that, please do look up that, that episode as well. So we're running out of time. That brings us to our final one takeaway. And I will be very nice and I'll give each of you a one takeaway if you like. So uh, maybe, Mark, I'll start with you. Uh, so, uh, look, I reckon I've already said my one takeaway, which is uh, the heartbeat comment. Act is mm-hmm. for everyone. Whatever your previous training, w- whatever you know, models you've, you've enjoyed in the past, I think there's space for ACT to blend with those in a way. So, ACT is for everyone. It's an interesting model, isn't it, in that sense that there doesn't have to be something wrong with you no. to be benefiting mm, from that. Yeah. It's more of yeah. a, a how do people live a good life kind yeah. of model. Without searching for happiness and yet doing something that's meaningful and enriching does create more happiness. So, yeah. So, uh, maybe I should have made clearer, so, and thanks for that addition there, is it's really when I say that, everyone, it's like practitioners as much as clients. I guess for me… The final thing that I will say is I know that um, often Russ Harris in his trainings starts by asking people to think of a close relationship they're in and then to think if that about whether that person has ever pissed them off or upset them. And he says, if that's never happened to you, put up your hand. And, of course, nobody can. And I guess for me that the takeaway is that like in the, the good things in life will naturally come with some pain. Or some, something that will stress you out like our children do. Um, but we love them and we wouldn't choose it any other way, you know? And so, uh, yeah, as, as my final takeaway, I would say that life comes with some pain, 
But making room for that means that you can connect with things that you love and the things that matter for you. And that's a much more satisfying way to live. Well, on that note, uh, we might finish up for today. And as with all of our episodes, these resources that we've talked about today, we will uh, link them under the podcast that's available on the Peregrine portal. So if you're interested in exploring a little bit more about ACT, if what you've heard today has intrigued you or interested you, then uh, that will be a very easy way to get started. So thank you very much to both my guests for being here and for sharing their years of uh, experience with this particular model. And I hope you found this episode helpful. Please do tune in again. I hope you found today's episode helpful. You'll find specially selected resources on this topic on our digital learning platform. To join the platform for free or to suggest questions or topics for further episodes, please visit our website, theperegrinecenter.com.au.